Hello and welcome to the Vorthos Cast. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. Uh, this week, uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, the A lot has happened specifically today as of the day of recording, uh, because we got to see uh, a, another co-host of this podcast dress up as if he was some sort of move on, a, on the Magic YouTube and Twitch channel. Jay was in a video. That was cool. Yeah. He's, he's internet famous now, guys. He's made it. <laughs> yeah, he's too good to be on this podcast now. Uh, it's funny how being lore master isn't the achievement. It's getting in a video where you're described as the lore master. And we're all like, okay, you've made it. <laughs> but seriously, he did a great job. It was a very enjoyable video. Um, we're all happy to see him there. And uh, he got to introduce a whole bunch of commander, like the commander deck commanders so that was pretty awesome yeah super hyped about that mm-hmm. along with yeah. mechanics like yeah did it yeah, all we got a we got a lot of information from that video and uh i don't think we're gonna cover all of it today because we also nope. have other things to talk about uh but go watch it it's like 29 minutes long maybe less uh it's on youtube i think it's probably on their twitch channel too um definitely watch it because it contains a lot of information about the various uh like families too and like the world of Capenna, new Capenna, old Capenna, Capenna, who knows. Um also today, I don't know if y'all caught this, but there was the weekly MTG stream directly after that video premiered. Uh and Blake got to talk with Miguel Lopez, who is one of the uh story people at uh Wizards of the Coast. I don't remember his actual title. Uh, But they talked about a lot of story and showed off some previews. And like, I think uh, it is something that we all need to watch because there is a lot of background on the various families. And like, it was insane. Like the fact that uh, uh, what's his name? Xander was a paladin or whatever before he became a vampire demon was crazy. Or wait, it was it was Jetmir who was a paladin. Jetmir. Yeah. And it was like crazy. Yeah, it's like Jetmir was a paladin. Xander was like a nobody. Like it was real interesting. And like he went deep into like the background of the plane and what all happened there. Uh, absolutely required watching for people who are deep into the lore. I'm sure we'll get like a um, a Legends article like tomorrow probably or like no, because they'll wait until the whole set's out. We'll get a Legends article eventually. And it'll explain all this. But, like, it was real neat because I was, like, not expecting that deep dive of a lore into in the, the weekly MTG stream. Especially since we got the Criminal Histories video and the Premiere video, both which covered a lot of lore. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's really cool to see how far these these the, the demon lords of the families have come since their original... Uh, storylines and it's i kind of wish we would possibly see a, like an actual story for all that stuff but i'm not sure if we're going to get that but we'll have to see but like some of the stories that he was able to basically put out there for some of these characters that we probably aren't going to see again because i think or i know if i it seems like jetmir was killed i don't know if i ever deliberately uh, left unclear but we yeah. will yeah. talk about that when we talk about uh, episode five um, which, yeah, speaking of story, uh, today we're covering the last two episodes of the main story uh, and some of our final thoughts, because, boy, do I have some thoughts about these stories. Yeah, we we're going to we're going to cover all of our thoughts about the stories and what happened. Uh, also worth noting, 
a bunch of secret layer drops are happening. Uh, I don't particularly care to go into them uh, because, you know, New Capenna is also here and that is way more exciting for me. Uh, but if you're like a secret layer aficionado, go check those out. There's like an artist series with Magali Villeneuve. There's, you know, uh, Wayne Reynolds did a bunch of dwarves, I guess. Uh, I hope we get Wayne Reynolds goblins at some point. But anyways, <laughs> um, Wayne Reynolds goblins are so good. Uh, we're going to start off with episode four, the font. Uh, just like real exciting episode. Like the font was probably my favorite of the episodes of the main story, uh, which is gonna be a little disappointing once we do episode five but anyways so episode four the font begins with xander and then hello in the empty museum and hello is trying to get xander to leave for the crescendo um but xander is a little wishy-washy and kind of knows what's coming for the end of the night and sends and hello in his stead um and hello leaves through the back door and xander of course hears the adversary approaching he seems to have known this time was going to come, and is somewhat prepared. <laughs> so next we move to the crescendo itself, where Elspeth is doing her cabaretti job and serving um, hors d'oeuvres to the crowd. Ginny leaves Giada in her care for just a moment, and Elspeth gets the feeling that things are going to turn badly very soon. Um, Giada at this point is nervous about her performance, but non-specific about what that performance is so you know we're in for a good time the cabaretti present a giant glass bottle vessel on stage before giada uh Ginny directs giada to the bottle and with a flash of light giada fills it with halo um giada looks visibly weakened by the exertion um jenny Ginny presents giada as the font that they've all been waiting for but Elspeth suspects that it'll come at the cost of Giada's life, noting how expended she looks afterwards. Um, back in the museum, Xander is facing off against the adversary's minions, who are traitors. <laughs> he has successfully turned many of the maestros against their leader, um, and Xander gets some good quips in here and there about having gifted them their weapons and knowing them in and out enough to beat them in a fight. Um, but for the most part, he is retreating further into the museum and um, using access halls to take out the minions one by one and eventually escapes to a balcony. The adversary taunts him, flying up to the balcony, noting that he can't escape to there. And after a very brief exchange of words and wouldn't even call it fighting considering nobody really gets a blow in, um, Ob does shoot Xander with a <laughs> finger gun right off the balcony and Xander falls to his death. At the crescendo celebration with the Caporetti, all hell is breaking loose. The adversary's minions are now trying to get at Giada, realizing that she is the font. Um, and at the same time, Jetmir is getting attacked, so Ginny leaves to assist Jetmir. Elspeth is tasked with protecting Giada for the most part. Um, runs up to her, gets to the stage first, um, and they organize escape out of the venue. Um, of course, they get surrounded by adversary min minions, but in the end, Vivian does unleash a whole bunch of arrow animals and is able to save them. <laughs> 
<laughs> so we've gotten the full circle reunion of the heroes at this point. Um, Ginny and a wounded Jetmir come out of the cabaret and, de- and that Giada join them. Elspeth refuses them and uh, Vivian summons a green spectral dragon to aid in their escape. Vivian insists that Elspeth helps Giada and then the planeswalkers leave. Um, the adversary does a quote-unquote villain moment in the museum, uh, just looming over Xander, Xander's fallen body, but yeah. Taking a status report from one of his minions who has uh, come to tell him that, yeah, we didn't get the font, and uh, Ovid's daydreaming about crushing this guy's skull, so. Yeah, it is uh, just Ob doing Ob things at this point <laughs> as the adversary. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just like a villain moment in the sense that like, you know, he's like, ah, my underlings, what have you to report to me? Oh no, this is bad news. I will kill you. Immediately after usurping the guy like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's playbook, playbook villain moment. Uh, Elspeth slips away to the museum to see about getting a new sword, um, sneaks through the access halls and back rooms before grabbing the first one she can find and dips out of there. That is where we leave off with story four. Yeah, uh, it's a it's it's like a really good one. There's a lot of cool action, a lot going on. All hell breaks loose. Um, I really appreciated Xander in this story. Uh, I'd always loved him in the other ones. And then he, you know, obviously dies. But um, I really liked him up until the moment of his death. It, it, like the way he sends Anello off knowing what's going to happen even before anyone else does is kind of it kind of shows you how in touch with the plane and or the city and like what his deal was within what the maestros are about like getting all this information whether it be through brutal enforcing or like subtly doing some spy stuff it, it's he really had his pulse had a pulse on the city and where it feels like Jetmir was caught completely off guard. Xander knew what was coming and was smart enough to get his second command out of the trouble. Yeah, I think Xander was kind of the standout character for this entire um, set of story. He gives a refreshing blue-black-red, not, like, side character. Henchman evil kind of person. Yeah, exactly. Like, he is he is the supporting role for Elspeth. Like, he's not really trying to outwardly manipulate her or get her to do his evil bidding he just knows this is how the plane works and he's got to get this information and if she wants to do that cool if she doesn't then she doesn't get access to the archives like yeah like generally in magic thus far grixis has been the color combination of an antagonist uh so it's nice to see that even though you know i'm mr selesnia but (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I, I liked Xander's character and I like how they portrayed him. And, you know, he, he was like the red was very much an artist. The black was the self-interest aspect and the blue was gathering information. And it was a very true to the color identity of the colors. But it's just portrayed in a different way than we've seen it in Magic going forward thus far. And I think part of his charm is that we don't know his origins for the most part, like outside of the video um, in the same sense that we would love to have a story about the um, leaders of the demon families being gifted their powers by the demon lords and what happened after that and why they have a hazy memory of everything uh-huh. that's come before New Capenna. We don't really get that slice yet, and 
I don't know. That's just ripe territory for if it ever needed to be revisited. Um, or people just demanding Demon Lord, like the actual demons who bestowed that power, getting cards for them. I would not be surprised to see like a um, Brothers War set that goes back into the history of New Capenna. Even like, just like a side novella. Yeah. I would be happy with that. Or even just like web fiction associated with a supplementary set. Like this is a very compelling origin to the world. And I think they did something similar in Alara for the most part where there was the sundering that happened when the five shards went apart. And of course the angel Asha and the demon Malfagor, demon dragon hybrid everything Malfagor. They had their battle there, and we never got to touch on that. And that is like one of the most um, mythologicized pieces of magic lore at this point, where it's just like, we don't know what happened. We know that Asha is AFK, and that Malfagor is here, so she probably died, but what if she didn't? And it's like, we like to have those gaps filled, and especially for large plane-defining events, like this is perfect territory for it. Um, I think people are very, very interested in the world building that has been done on New Capenna up to this point. So, yeah, I see it as a perfect opportunity if they ever had a need, you know. Yeah, and it sounds like Miguel really is really wants to go back to New Capenna. So, like, I'm really interested to see what they do with it. And like you said, there's, it's ripe for more stories because, like, we're this set is focused around the city of New Capenna. The plane at large is it's a lar- it's a very large plane, but has a lot of wasteland outside of the city. And I'd love to know the story behind what created that wasteland, the the original Phyrexian invasion of that plane, all that stuff. There, there's plenty of information, or there's plenty of story. It seems like behind this the plane and Maybe we'll get it one day. I, I think we are encroaching on the, the overall thoughts of New Capenna story. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah. We love Xander too much. That's the <laughs> issue. Well, I, yeah. think a, I think a lot of these, like, I agree with everything that y'all have said so far, but I think, like, I, I think we need to take them a step further after we've uh, discussed what happens in episode five. Because uh, Oh, I don't want to talk about episode uh, five. I, I'm sorry, but we have to talk about episode five. We talk about episode five. I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I am going to preface the summary of episode five with I think it was good, but yeah. And I'm just that's my preface. All right. Um. I will. I will quickly guide us through the summary of what happens in episode five because honestly, it goes by pretty quickly. Um. The very first thing that happens is it picks up directly after episode four but not exactly where you thought it would pick up after episode four, because like Elspeth pieced out of the museum, <laughs> uh, didn't hang out to like fight anybody at the museum, goes and finds Giada and Vivian, uh, despite us thinking that maybe they'd be separated for a while, uh, shows off her sword and they like settle down in the hideout. And there is some really incredible Elspeth characterization moments throughout this whole episode. And the very first one happens here where like Giada admits to being scared and uh, Elspeth is like, oh, I'm going to comfort you and explain, like, not being afraid and that I'll protect you and I'll protect everyone on the plane. And Elspeth is like, I wish I had had that same comfort as a child trapped in a dungeon. Um, but we then cut to, like, Ginny and, like, some cabaret goons just, like, breaking into this this warehouse that they've set up shop in, uh, disturbing their sleep. Vivian, of course, heard them coming because she's, like, an excellent hunter and tracker. Um, they get into like a little bit of a fight and like instantly Vivian and Elspeth are kind of like captured 
and they get like shackles put on them. Uh, Jenny is like, you stole the font from us. And Elspeth is like, I was trying to protect her. And Jenny's like, I have no concept of what's going on in this world. Um, it's anyways, uh, Jenny is delightfully just airheaded throughout the entire story. And it's just true to her character. Uh, anyways, she leads them to like an obscure hideout, um, which is led by Kamiz, who is like the commander legend. So that's cool. Um, and Jenny's like, oh, it'll be safe here. We're with allies to the family. And I'm like, they're the Obscura. If you don't think they're lying to you, then you're an idiot. Um, Jetmir is there and he's like super wounded. And so like Jenny's like, Giada, help him. And Giada walks over and she like fills a little glass vial with what I'm assuming is Halo. But like it's intended to heal him. We didn't know if Halo had like healing properties before, but... I guess it does. We we kind of had an idea that it was a, a power magnification substance, mm-hmm. like if used pro- for that intention. So I guess there's it arguably could have been like in the effect that it gives you strength, probably could have restored your 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 health to a certain extent. I would assume, right? So. Yeah, I mean, like I I guess probably drinking it would heal you, um, but like it's it's not super clear. If it's like Giada uh, was going to heal him with the halo or not, but she tries to give it to him, but it's too late. And before she can even like hand off the vial, uh, a bunch of riveteers show up and we're assuming that they're adversary aligned ones or something uh, because they just like break in and start a brawl. And Elspeth just like casually disenchants the shackles, which I thought was really clever. (laughs) <laughs> um, she just like, and use some magic and no longer shackled. And she does it to Vivian and Vivian's like, how long have you been like holding off on that power? And Elspeth is like, I mean, I just didn't think it was really necessary. Um, <laughs> so, uh, they like get into a little fight and Elspeth is trying to protect Giada and then Elspeth gets stabbed and she's like, oh no, I'm feeling the cold touch of Erebos. I'm going to die. And then Giada runs over and forces her to drink that vial of Halo, which is why I'm like, I guess it's a health potion. Um, And it heals Elspeth and she feels reinvigorated. And her, Ginny, Kamiz, and like Giada and Vivian all escape, right? Um, So like they just leave Jetmir there, which is why we're kind of like, what happens to Jetmir? Um, But they like run into some obscure tunnels uh, heading up to Park Heights, which is where, like, the the upper echelons of the city are. Um, and, of course, like, it's a trap because, duh. Of course it is. It's unclear. I think it's a little unclear about if these Obscura who sort of trap them are actual Obscura or if they're defectors who are working with the ad- adversary. Um, I'm going to err on the side of saying that they are actual Obscura who are trying to, like, capture the font for themselves um, because Ginny, like, stabs Kamiz once they get stopped. Because um, Ginny's kind of cool like that, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, is, like, they get captured, sort of, except Elspeth, Vivian, and Giada are able to escape through the park. Um, and they run into this cathedral that is full of angel statues, like, tons of them, just a whole bunch for some reason. Um, Giada and Elspeth, once they get in there, they start hearing some sort of like chorus from the statues and there's like this faint glow around Elspeth and I think a slightly brighter glow around Giada. Um, Giada's like, I found them, my family. And then of course, Obnixla shows up, uh, at that moment with a bunch of goons. Um, and he's like, I'm going to destroy you. And he's just having a villain, you know, he's, he's being a bad guy. 
Um, all of his goons like fight Vivian, who does that thing where she's like, you take the big guy. I'll handle all his little ads. Um, if you've ever played a video game in your life, you're familiar with this interaction. Uh, when the NPC is like, I'll go take care of these little things while you do the big boss. Um, <laughs> Elspeth fights him and she's like really struggling with her sword because she just kind of picked up a random sword that is like too big for her. Um, Ob ends up getting an upper hand and like blasts her with some necrotic energy. Uh, she thinks that she's about to die and she tells Giada to just run and Giada can't run. There's nowhere to go. And so she instead just kind of becomes an angel. Um, she like has this like ascending moment where she like glows with light and she levitates and she sends out this burst of light that knocks everyone down. Um, Ob is like thrown against a wall Elspeth is just kind of like staggered a little bit, but otherwise fine. Uh, she stands up and like Elspeth is having these doubts about her ability to actually like win this fight. She thinks that she just can't do it. She doesn't have the strength. And Giada's like ethereal voice is coming into her mind, telling her like, you can do this. You can, you can fight this. Uh, and then Elspeth has a res like a revelation. Uh, and she says that home was duty. Family was those she chose to defend, and she'd always had everything she needed. Um, her sword is, like, transformed by Giada into this, like, much more appropriate for her fighting style Halo-powered sword. Uh, and she ends up just, like, kind of easily defeating Ob at this point. And Ob, who is significantly beaten, planeswalks away. Um, after that, we get the epilogue. And in this epilogue, there is no planeswalker being completed, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, this is not Neon Dynasty. Uh, Elspeth goes to the museum and meets with Angelo, who is now like the head of the maestros. And Angelo reveals like, ah, I had this letter that Xander slipped into my coat on the night of the crescendo that explains that you get full access to his archives. No questions asked. Can't bother you. You just get it. Um, and so Elspeth goes into the archives and her and Vivian pour through all of these books and all these artifacts, and they learn how the angels fought the Phyrexians, but they couldn't win. So they made a deal with the demon lords, who then betrayed the angels because, like, you made a deal with demon lords. That's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> the angels who were, like, gifting Halo to people were now trapped. And, like, their bodies were held in stasis, and the demons turned their bodies into Halo. Uh, and then when the demons realized that they couldn't, like just hang out in the city and let the Phyrexians be defeated on their own. We're like, we have to take the fight to the Phyrexians. So they then made those packs with the heads of the families, like, you know, Xander and Zyatora and uh, Jetmir and all them, um, <laughs> <laughs> whoever. Uh, so they made the deals with them. Uh, and then the demon Lords went off to fight the Phyrexians. And then eventually the Phyrexians were destroyed. Um, and they left the halo there for everyone in this you know, new Capenna city. Importantly, the demon lords just disappeared. Yeah, don't know what happened to them. Uh, so, Normal thing to happen. Well, it's it's the open-ended thing, right? It's like, we can kind of assume that they died fighting the Phyrexians, or we can assume that there's something else going on here. So uh, after they've like made these discoveries, uh, Vivian tells Elspeth about Urabrask and everything that she learned, and Elspeth is like, what did Urabrask tell you? And Vivian's like, oh, they're fighting a revolution against Norn. And uh, Elspeth is like, well, we have this giant cache of Halo that Xander was saving in his archives. Uh, let's go to Dominaria and meet up with some old friends, who I'm assuming just means the Gatewatch. Um, you know, has <laughs> hashtag Cothwatch. 
Uh, Koth, Koth's name gets dropped in the story for the first time in 10 years. <laughs> so, Koth is still a I character. Th- I think he did get story. a mention in the Lost Confession, but yeah, he's not. It's been a yeah, it's been a it's long been a time. while. Yeah. Um, and so that's where the end of Streets of New Capenna story, at least the main story, that's where it is. With Elspeth going, hey, let's take this uh, angel bubbly over to Dominaria and have a chat with our pals. Um, boy, do I have thoughts. Um, I I think. Uh, just as an oh, like I said, I think the story was very good. I think episode five was a fun read. I think there are so many things that got left on the table and just kind of forgotten or dropped that it's really yeah. it felt like the final season of Game of Thrones. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, that's 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 really sorry. There's um, one second. There's something rummaging through my trash. Oh, it's Urabrask. Oh, you got threw away. <laughs> You got thrown away, and you're in the trash. Where'd your plotline go, buddy? <laughs> yeah, like, well, I mean, I guess technically Urbreath was in the side story, so I guess. Yeah, uh, but still, but you yeah, don't bring it's... a predator to a plane just to be like, and one side story for you, young man, and then <laughs> like, leave them. <laughs> like, at, at least we... Vorinclex had like a, a, a integral part of like we saw what he was doing with the with the epilogue of Kaldheim, right? Yes. And Jin Kataxius was active in the final story for Kamigawa. And I understand like people saying it's a continuous story, like it's an ongoing story. We'll figure out more of the pieces, but it's like there was. Not that we're looking for major revelations at the story finale of every set, but in an ongoing story structure, like we kind of rely on those hooks at the end as something to cling on to and be like, okay, well, we know that's going to come back. Like, and not to say anything disparaging about story five, but Halo as an ill defined concept. Uh, like we don't know if it heals we don't know we kind of know that it enhances your magic but it also heals you but it also is going to be able to be weaponized against the phyrexians or is it just going to protect people like it is a very ambiguous spot to leave everything off in and like happy we got an elspeth story um has been quite a while but yeah, for the most part, like we just didn't get any kind of solid resolution to many of the things that were happening on the plane regarding the um, extra planar story. Look, I'm I'm not even asking for like an explanation of Halo. I'm not asking for like a story that shows, you know, what's going on with like the Riveteers, which is another point of discussion. I'm just asking that someone please put a line in the story where Vivian says, Oh, and then Tezzeret came back and helped Arabrask off the plane. Because that poor boy, that poor Praetor was just dropped there. And Tezzeret was like, I'll come back and get you at some point. Like, that is some, like, neglectful stepmom behavior. Yeah. Arabrask just got dropped off at the bowling alley, and his stepmom was like, I'll come <laughs> back when I'm ready. He's like, still a Phyrexian, <laughs> so I'm not going to call him a, any kind of poor boy or whatever. Like... <laughs> He's still Phyrexian at heart, even if he's on the side of "quote unquote" freedom. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm still not sure that he's completely like benevolent in his goals, right? So we'll see what happens. Uh, but yeah, like not having 
even the the slightest hint as to what happened to him at the end of the story is kind of it was definitely a drop ball for me but you know we'll see like i like the rest of the story except for the ending like i, I just felt like there wasn't enough closure for me my side criticism of urabrask's story dropping is that like all of theros beyond death happened off screen we got a story summary we kind of got some hints at um some hints at what happened there throughout this story but like that was a story break for elspeth that is an absence of our knowledge in her journey i don't think there was anything that happened during theros beyond death that would make her super duper chill and able to accept in like 10 seconds that a phyrexian praetor is rebelling against norn we just don't get to see that revelation come across her and like even doubting Vivian to be like, are you sure you trust them? Or the fact that Tezzeret is working with Urabrask. Elspeth and Tezzeret do not have a great history. Um, not ignoring the dual decks. Yeah. Ignoring the dual decks that is like strange for the time. He did help them. He was also playing both sides of the war in that regard. So doesn't have a whole bunch of reasons to trust him. And also her being aware of Tezzeret being able to teleport the Praetors other places. Like that's another big cause for concern because last she saw they were perfectly contained on New Phyrexia and Koth was telling her to seal the plane off, tell nobody to come here. That would be fine. Like they would deal with it on their own. They would live and die there and then the plague would be contained. But Maybe it's because she knew that Phyrexians were on her home plane. We just never get to see the realization of like, oh fuck, Phyrexians can portal places. They're actively being portaled places by Tezzeret, but he's doing it for a good reason and I should trust him. Mm-hmm. And is <laughs> here for good reasons and I should trust him. Like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of missing pieces in the puzzle. Um, and I would just like to see what her reaction was in fuller detail. Also, there's the the fact that we know that Karn was like was corrupted by the glistening oil, and the fact that these things are teleporting on and off uh, planes with, with Tezzeret makes you wonder: Are we going to have another storyline where all this oil has been leaked on these planes? Like, we don't know like if that's still happening. And Elspeth knows this is that that's how that happened, right? Yeah, so, like she knows that's a vector of contamination how how is this just something that just leaves off like she she understands that he's okay like how would you like the fact that there's no sense of urgency or distress about the fact that he's here is a real big issue for me yeah i i can understand elspeth potentially not freaking out about urabrask in particular uh as like a concept because like we know that urabrask was not like he wasn't like being friendly but he was at least you know providing some modicum of shelter in the furnace um for the murins uh so we know that like maybe elspeth like in when it comes down to it if someone was like i met a praetor she'd be like freaking out and then if they said it was urabrask she might be like oh i mean yeah like of all <laughs> of them to me um but like it is true like the, the no reaction to the fact that there are phyrexians just hanging out on other planes like i would be flipping my lid if i was elspeth I would yeah. not just be like casual, like let's spend some time going through these archives. I would be planeswalking to immediately to wherever Karn is. Going, did you get that nuke? 
<laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> um, and, and that's the thing that really kind of makes this final story disappointing is because Elspeth, on the positive note, had really good character growth in these stories. Elspeth as a character grew and evolved and became such an interesting person who definitely like we saw her arc happen in this story and it was great. And then it's just like at the end, like just kind of like a little piddly plop into something. I'm like, what's happening here? Um, Yeah, because like all of the stuff about Elspeth looking for home and then realizing that she can find home in her duty to protecting people and that her family who she lost can be the people that she defends. And it's like, ah, that final like realization that she doesn't have to be shackled to this search for home anymore because home is, you know, where your heart is, Um, is great. And I thought Elspeth's character was so good. And then like, there's a reason for it, though. And that reason is that there's five main stories. Like, they're obviously... I A lot of people called for this on Twitter after the, like, not as positive as the other stories reaction to story five, where they're like, if you just gave us one more story, if you just gave us two more stories, like, they obviously want wizards to be more flexible with the needs of the story, and the needs of the story clearly, in this case, justified a little more space, at least for Elspeth's story, like even disregarding all this pipe dream stuff that we want with um, the mythological past, we kind of would just like to see her react as Elspeth would and not be rushed through a series of events. And also, like, I, I kind of wanted more details about what exactly happened with Elspeth and Gianna, that whole thing, but that, that, that yeah. was... I wasn't super fond of how vague that was, but I guess we'll get more details in the next story. But again, that's feels like there, there's a lot of stuff that was left out. We have no Watsi contractors on the show, so we can speculate all we want. A lot of people are saying Elspeth's going to be an angel. This seems like the perfect path for you to take to make Elspeth into an angel planeswalker. Cool. Like, she is secretly an angel. She will be revealed to fully be able to be an angel and produce halo herself during the dominaria storyline or later and then be able to protect her allies around her and the people who are being attacked by phyrexians however as brought up by one of my friends she like her whole path up to this point has been rejecting divinity and rejecting kind of the godhood that was associated with Theros. So making her like this angel planeswalker, it just seems like such a strange leap in her story to be like, okay, and now she's an angel or now she's revealed to be an angel. Like she was always a protector, but protector into angel. And maybe again, this is just because they did want to have a way to make an angelic planeswalker. But assuming this is the path that she is on, I'm not crazy about it. Uh, it's It just doesn't seem to jive as well as they think it does. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I can ignore Theros. Theros is <laughs> pretty sore spot for a lot of us anyways. It's just, yeah, like she saw how bad it went for divinity in the past and um, how even good intention divinity can still be corrupted. And I think angels specifically as a sign of divinity are 
a very risky ground, even if it is just to make a planeswalker responsible for Halo generation for the Phyrexian war effort or anti-war effort. So I we'll would see. I would counter I would counter that and say that uh, angels in Magic are not necessarily divine in the same sense that like the gods of Amonkhet and Theros are divinity. Um, I think that angels are a little different in how they're they're presented. I mean, they're angelic. They have that sort of like, you know, real world association with religious uh, religion. And even like, you know, in Dominaria, there's the whole Saren religion. I think that it would not be uh, entirely weird for, for Elspeth to become associated with angels. I don't think she's going to be an angel. I wouldn't be shocked if like it was now sort of a thing where Elspeth Planeswalker cards made angels. Um, and I mean, we saw Elspeth today and she, she makes angels. Um, but like, I don't think she's going to be an angel. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with her. All I know is that, um, I don't mind things being vague. I don't mind that we don't really know what happened with Giada. Uh, did she become an angel? Are the angels back? Are the angels released? Who, what's going on? I don't, I don't mind. Like it's vague for a reason. Stories can be vague. What I don't like, uh, to sort of shift the topic just a second, uh, there's an entire family on Capenna and like an entire aspect of that world that just got nothing. In the side stories and the main stories, we saw the Riveteers like three times and it was like background. But isn't that the exact complaint that we had for Call Time? Like, oh, there were 10 stories, but we were only able to show off X number of the worlds within Call Time. It's like, yeah, and you could obviously... If you wanted to do it fairly, you don't have to do it fairly. You know, I'm not a fan of cycles. You can give us 11 or 12 stories <laughs> just to make it round out evenly and you can get everybody on display in a fair and even way. But that's also their choice. Like if they think that's necessary for the story, I don't see the harm in adding one more day two more stories, one main set story, one side story, just to get the Riveteers in there. Because obviously, a lot of the fans of it do feel uh, a little sore about that fact. See, my my thing is like, I'm, I don't want them, I don't want Wizards of the Coast and Magic Stories team to feel compelled to make cycles out of the stories. Like, I think that the fact that they did four of the families get like spotlight and side stories and then they have that one side story that's basically main story 2.5 and we don't get a side story about Riveteers. I don't care about the cycle breaking so much as the fact that like they literally get no screen time and like the brokers only get screen screen time in the side story. The main story is basically all cabaretti maestro with a little aside in this last episode with the Obscura. Um, and then like there's just no Riveteer at all. And that's where I was like, when you were planning this out, you should have you should have found some space for them somewhere. We we did see Zia Tora in the side story once. Vaguely. Yeah. Her her voice <laughs> echoing from the background saying, please include me. I'm interesting. A third of this world is dedicated to us. Yeah. There, yeah. I think you were the one who said there was a delicate balance to strike between featuring all the things we want to in story and ending up with dominaria story 12 which was like the cameo show where everybody just shows up and then everyone claps and then they leave stage it's like yeah we can we can find some balance in between there the yeah the riveteer is just not being involved 
maybe they could have been woven in more finely into the main story to be involved in some meaningful way. But yeah. I, yeah, I, that was my, and I see a lot of people, um, like you were saying, Carrie, like people who were asking for more story for New Capenna. And I think that that is fair. I think that saying, hey, stop feeling as if you are tied to the five main five side story, like recipe. Like, I would be happy if there were seven main stories and like three side stories, if you're sticking to 10. Yeah, or, yeah, like, I agree. Or just add a couple more stories and do 12 total or 13, like whatever. That's fine. Uh, the story should be leading the needs of the story release. You know, if you feel like the story needs more episodes, then do that. If you feel like the side, you need more side stories, do that, whatever. Um, my only complaint there is like, I don't want them to feel beholden to doing cycles and I don't want them to feel beholden to sticking to a recipe, but I sure don't want uh, a two block structure every single world that we visit. Um, Cause like we got 10 main story and 10 side story for Innistrad and I loved it and it was great, but like, I don't want them to feel compelled to do two block structure again, where we're like getting 10 main story and 10 side story yeah. Every block. Innistrad had the depths to plumb for that content. Versus... Like I said with the Innistrad story, I'm perfectly fine with them doing two sets for a brand new plane because it gives us more chance to explore that plane. Like I, I'm of the opinion that Innistrad didn't need two sets or like or a full ten stories, but that's just my personal opinion. But me personally, I would there's so much more to be told on this plane that I really wish we had the, the, the chance to get, and we're not going to get it. So. Or at least right, not not anytime soon. Here is the last topic that I'll bring to the table is front loading story. How'd it go? Second set in a row. Uh mostly positive. I'll say mostly positive. I think that this is still a good way to do it. Um, I think that people are generally more invested in the story when you front load it because they don't have cards just telling them what happens. Uh I do think that. You do run into a little bit of a growing pain situation where there are certain things that you like, there's just going to be conflict in how you're revealing the set, right? So, like, we have the story first, and then today we got the like premiere show with Jay yeah. and all that, which was really cool. But it also, like, I didn't really care to hear talk about, like, oh, Elspeth's on this plane. What is she up to? Oh, what is Vivian doing here? Ooh, who's Obnixilis? He's the, skip, skip, skip. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we know this. <laughs> we know this information. Like, and I know that different people read the stories at different rates. There are a lot of people who have not read any of Streets of New Capenna, despite the fact that the full story is out now. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you do have that trade-off where if you release the story before all the previews start, all of the story people are super happy until the previews start. And now we're just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, we know. There's nothing, nothing exciting kind of coming up here. Versus before when it was like, oh my god, we're so excited about previews and we're learning about the world. Can't wait to read the story. And then like the end of the story gets spoiled. So it's like it's a delicate balance. I still think this is probably the best way to do it, though. I I I'm I will continue to say that this is I, I, this is the way I prefer them. They do it, and even if it's not perfect, I definitely want them to continue doing it this way. Um, even if the the set itself isn't as exciting to me. 
uh, because I, I know all the story. There's always tons of things that they're little blurbs and flavor text that that adds some more depth to the story that might not have been a part of it. Like we're pro- we're we're definitely going to get more riveters, or I would assume we were getting more riveters information based on some of the flavor text on the cards. So uh, it still gives me something to look forward to. And there are a lot of people who don't care about the story, so it doesn't really matter to them. But I. Like I, I definitely prefer to have all of the story before the set drops, just because of all the flavor text that it allows me to get more information about the different planes. So, yeah, it also means that we can get we can get a preview of murder uh, showing Obnixilus killing Xander, and like it doesn't spoil anything because we're like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, we knew that was going to happen from the key. Like, the original promotional art that came out showed Obnixilus standing over Xander, who was, like, beaten up and bloodied. But, like, there was a little bit of, like, ooh, what if Xander lived through that? Um, We know he doesn't. And the card murder shows him just straight up literally being murdered. So, it's like, if we'd gotten that before we got the story, that would have been a little disappointing. Um, My thoughts are, it's the issue of me typing in mtgstory.com into the address bar and clicking enter like there's a gap of time in between the page loading and me being able to click on the content in the page and i think they could shorten that time by like just delivering the stories right to my mailbox via email newsletter and like every week i would get an email newsletter with the newest chapter god great idea it's a great idea and maybe they can be like uh six months delayed (laughs) (laughs) I am I am happy with how they are presenting story now. Let that be said, it is vastly improved over previous efforts. The ten story structure maybe could use some massaging, but at the same time, like you are hearing this from story fans. There could be a majority of people who read this story and maybe don't consider themselves diehard fans that are like, okay, that's a satisfying story. We got it. We got 10 stories worth of content. That's perfectly fine. And maybe it's us just wanting more information and trying to piece things together. But at the same time, like, I don't know. They've listened to us in the past. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I will always beg for more story and more side stories and more spinoff novellas and whatever you want to put time into. Like, if you're going to invest in getting people interested in the story, now is a prime time to do so uh i i will say if you like getting the story before the set uh really good news for later this year because uh we got the story for the brothers war 24 years ago Holy so <laughs> there's been, you have to there's been that? a lot of time <laughs> you weren't ready with that one i hope but yeah. uh everyone knows that the brothers war novel came out in 1998 it's just common Did knowledge it? i thought it you came don't... out after 2000 for some <laughs> reason god you don't have to Google that on your phone very quickly while you think about a joke to me. Anyways, yeah, I hope that uh, we can convince uh, Wizards of the Coast to like play around with that formula of story, you know, just just a little bit. Just do some stuff with it. Give us give us more main story than side story. Give us extra story. Give us, you know, just something. It'd be fun. That's all I've got. So I guess we can uh, move on to final thoughts. And my final thought is uh, if you like watching D&D or tabletop role-playing games in general, uh, 
Dimension 20 Starstruck Odyssey is hilarious. It's awesome. And it's probably one of my favorite uh, Dimension 20 campaigns ever, which which is saying something because I'm not super into sci-fi as, as far as a role-playing uh, world thing. But uh, yeah, it's great. Brandon Lee Mulligan kills it. And the players are awesome. And they're hilarious. And it's definitely worth the subscription to drop out even if you don't watch any of their other stuff, but there's plenty of good serotonin inducing uh, things to watch <laughs> on Dropout. So this is not sponsored, but if they would like to sponsor me, I'd be glad, happy to take it. <laughs> uh, you are going to, uh, Brian, this is very funny because my final thought is literally directly connected to yours. Um, <laughs> not because of Dimension 20, which I've never watched. I find it very difficult to watch live play of D&D, but I, I, will, I might check it out. Um, because I have been on the fence for the past couple of days about subscribing to Dropout TV only because I discovered, uh, I'm very late to this, Game Changer. Game Changers is hilarious. With Brandon Lee Mulligan yeah. in that show. Oh. I watched the like three free episodes that are on YouTube the other night just because I was like, oh, what, what am I going to put on? I'm, you know, I want to put something on YouTube. Let's watch something. Oh, this looks funny. I could not stop laughing. Oh, no. That definitely. show is hilarious. I am subscribing ASAP because I need to watch all of it. Yeah, I binged the last three seasons like two week or last weekend. So it was just like, oh, so good. I have one mutual who's obsessed with it. So I assume <laughs> this is a ringing endorsement enough for me to check it out. <laughs> God, there's three free episodes on YouTube. There's only three. And I about yelled when I realized there weren't more because I was just laughing so hard. It was so good. Yeah, but I, I, I've like I had been on Dropout for years just for Dimension Twenty, but then I started seeing their TikToks for Game Changers on TikTok, and then I I started binging it, and just like it was so I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, there was like some short that I saw on YouTube, like some like they post shorts, you know, that's like yeah. a new thing on YouTube. It's so dumb. Uh, and it was a it was like a clip of like Britton Lee Mulligan doing something funny on the show. And I was like, oh, you know, I should watch some of this. I've seen it before on Twitter. And then I looked it up and like, God, so good. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's my final thought it is actually like a continuation of yours. We are not sponsored. But if you want to sponsor me. <laughs> my final thought is. You know, I never come prepared to these things. <laughs> uh, my final thought is go to the library. They got something for you there. I don't know what, but they do. Ask them. Tell them, tell them Carrie sent you. Tell them Carrie sent you. And they said you had something on hold for me. And they'll be confused. <laughs> but seriously, libraries are very underappreciated. And uh, we have quite a few library systems serving our area and also just fucking libby app libby app <laughs> that's all it is you just get books digital able to read them able to listen to audiobooks it's a miracle like i don't know i don't listen to audiobooks as much anymore because now i'm addicted to paper books but guess what my library still helps me with that so you know reading's good uh if you enjoy reading uh there's a lot of words Every day, brand new, fresh words that get posted on our Discord server, um, which you can uh, you can join uh, by joining our Patreon at www.com. 
We're going straight to it. <laughs> you just go to the internet. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you can join our Discord by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. Uh, for just a dollar a month, you get access to the Discord where uh, Vorthoses from around the world are discussing New Capenna story. It's spoiler season by now. Excuse me. Watsy will send the snipers if I don't say preview season. Um, if you uh, if you join now, you can get in on talking all about the cards as they're previewed. And we uh, we go deep into some of the lore as well as just a bunch of nerds talking about magic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you can join the Discord for just a dollar a month. If you want to be part of the live listen, which is always a lot of fun, uh, you can pay $3 a month. And every Thursday, well, most every Thursday at about 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, we record the episode live in our Discord, and all of our live listeners get to listen in. A lot of stuff gets cut. Sometimes you get to hear all sorts of fun things that we don't put on the podcast. So it's uh, it's definitely worth three bucks a month. Uh, you know, I will say I was looking at some of our listenership and when I say Vorthos is from around the world, I really mean it. Uh, do you know who was the second most, uh, what country was the second most like popular country for the Vorthos cast on SoundCloud this past week? I'm going to open the Vorthos cast DMs and not be able to pronounce it. So go uh, ahead. That was the city. The capital city of Slovenia was the most popular city for listening to the Vorthos cast this past week. So you Slovenian Vorthos is out there. We see you. We we appreciate you. Hell yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, you can join our Patreon, join our Discord. Uh, if you don't want to do any of that, that's also fine. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash the Vorthos cast. Also, next week is 200th episode Mailbag Spectacular. So send in questions on twitter.com or on our Discord, but also probably just on twitter.com because then we can get your name and your user tag to mention you in the show yeah we will we will be posting about that uh as of the time that this is released so you will learn more about what's going on with our 200th episode oh my god 200 episodes uh yeah so um it's cool join us join the fold this is fine (laughs) (laughs) thank you all for listening this has been the warthos cast oh my god (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to try that again? Are we? Yeah, sure. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Force Oath Cast.